Hello, Hopeful. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible. Here, we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in His world. Welcome. In my personal devotions this morning, I had a few tears, uh, if I'm honest. It was one of those times when the passage just rocks your world. In this case, it was two passages, one of which was Luke chapter 5, where the boys have been fishing unsuccessfully, and Jesus tells them to go put out their nets, and Peter be like, well, if you say so. And of course, everyone is amazed at the result. But do you remember what happens next? Peter's response is like that of Isaiah, beholding God's glory. He's like, woe is me, I'm a sinful man. My friends, if there's something to remember, it's that God's power is unleashed when we forget fear and trust that he is at work in a desperate situation. So happy Valentine's Day to you and welcome back to today's little bit of our journey together through the Bible in a year, reading through every word of God's self-revelation. And considering our own lives in light of that, of course, Jesus then goes on to call Peter and the others to be catchers of people. But the point is that God does the filling of the nets with fish, and God does uh, that with regard to us being catchers of people, right? Our job is to be faithful and obey. And we get to then today, two different people, uh, as you're about to hear, are beset with fear and malady and pain and separation, but they come. They come to Jesus, and then we get to this idea of God's power being unleashed when we forget fear and trust that he's at work in a desperate situation. Mark chapter 5, picking up in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. And one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, My little daughter is dying. Come, lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following him and and pressing against him. Now a woman suffering from bleeding for twelve years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and and touched his clothing. For she just said to herself, If I can just touch his clothes, I'll be made well. Instantly, her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing against you, and yet you say, Who touched me? But he was looking around to see who had done this. And the woman, with fear and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Daughter, He said to her, Your faith has saved you. 
Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. While he was still speaking, people came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? And when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He didn't let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. And they came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And he went in and said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, but asleep. And they, they laughed at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was, and then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which is translated, Little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was twelve years old. And at this they were utterly astounded. Then he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this, and he told them, to give her something to eat. Now he left there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Where did this man get these things? They said. What is this wisdom that has been given to him, and how are these miracles performed by his hands? Isn't, isn't this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So they were offended by him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives and in his household. And he was not able to do a miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. But, And he was amazed at their unbelief. And he was going around the villages teaching. All right, my friends. That gets us up through verse 6 in chapter 6. Uh, just for the sake of time today, because we've got a little longer chunk to get through in the Old Testament. I'll just say this, you, you have been called just like Peter and the boys. And I guess the question on the table is, what are you going to do? Because God's power is unleashed when we forget fear and trust that he is at work in a desperate situation. And maybe you're not in a desperate situation and good for you. <laughs> but I think we are, whether we realize it or not. All right, turning back to our Old Testament segment, we pick up today in 1 Samuel chapter 9, and and um, we're at the point where, where Israel is getting its first king. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna dive in. First for Samuel 9. There was a prominent man of Benjamin named Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becherath, son of Aphias, son of a Benjamite. He had a son named Saul, an impressive young man. There was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. 
He stood a head taller than anyone else. One day, the donkeys of Saul's father, Kish, wandered off. Kish said to his son, Saul, Take one of your servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Saul and his servant went through the hill country of Ephraim and then through the region of Shalishasha. Shalisha. <laughs> you ever had one of those days? Shalisha. We'll just call it that. They went through the region of Shalisha, but they didn't find them. And they went through the region of Shalim and nothing. Then they went through the Benjamite region, but still didn't find them. And when they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come on, let's go back or my father will stop worrying about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant said, Look, there's a man of God in this city who is highly respected and everything he says is sure to come true. Let's go there now. Maybe he'll tell us which way we should go. Suppose we do go, Saul said to his servant. What do we take the man? The food from our packs is gone, and there's no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul, Here, I have a little silver. I'll give it to the man of God, and he'll tell us which way we should go. Now, formerly in Israel, a man who was going to inquire of God would say, Come, let's go to the seer. For the prophet of today was formerly called the seer. So Saul replied to his servant, Good, come on, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was, and as they were climbing the hill to the city, they found some young women coming out to draw water, and he, they asked, Is the seer here? And the woman answered, Yes, he's ahead of you. Hurry, he just now entered the city because there's a sacrifice today for the people at the high place. As soon as you enter the city, you will find him because he goes to the high place to eat. The people won't eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. After that, the guests can eat. Go up immediately. You can find him now. So they went up toward the city. Saul and his servant were entering the city when they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way to the high place. Now the day before Saul's arrival, the Lord had informed Samuel, saying, at this time tomorrow, I will send a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will save them from the Philistines because I have seen the affliction of my people, for their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man I told you about. He will govern my people. Now Saul approached Samuel in the city gate and asked, would you please tell me where the seer's house is? And Samuel answered, I am the seer. Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. And who does all Israel desire but you and your father's family? Saul responded, Am I not a Benjamite from the smallest of Israel's tribes? And isn't my clan the least important of all the clans of the Benjamite tribe? So why have you said something like this to me? Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them to the banquet hall, gave them a place at the head of the 30 or so men who had been invited. And then Samuel said to the cook, Get the portion of meat that I gave you and told you to set aside. 
Now the cook picked up the thigh and what was attached to it and set it before Saul. And then Samuel said, Notice that the reserved piece is set before you. Eat it, because it was saved for you for this solemn event at the time that I, I said, I've invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. And afterward, they went down from the high place to the city, and Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. They got up early, and just before dawn, Samuel called Saul on the roof. Get up, and I'll send you on your way. Saul got up, and both he and Samuel went outside. And as they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us, but you... Stay for a while. I'll reveal the word of God to you. So the servant went on. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, and said, Hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? Today when you leave me, you'll find two men at Rachel's grave at Zelzah in the territory of Benjamin, and they will say to you, the donkeys you went looking for have been found, and now your father has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and is worried about you, asking, What should I do about my son? You will proceed on from there until you come to the oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one bringing three groats, one bringing three loaves of bread, and one bringing a clay jar of wine, and they will ask you how you are, and they'll give you two loaves of bread which you will accept from them. After that, you will come to Gibeah of God, where, the Philistines are, uh, where there are Philistine garrisons. And when you arrive at the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes, and lyres. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully on you, and you will prophesy with them, and you, you will be transformed. When these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require, because God is with you. Afterward, go ahead of me to Gilgal. I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. Now when Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart, and all the signs came about that day. And when Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him, and then the Spirit of God came powerfully on him, and he prophesied along with them. And everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And then a man who was from there asked, And who is their father? As a result... Is Saul also among the prophets? Became a popular saying. Then Saul finished prophesying and went to the high place. And Saul's uncle asked him and his servants, Where did you go? To look for the donkeys, Saul answered. When we saw they weren't there, we went to Samuel. Tell me, Saul's uncle asked, What did Samuel say to you? And Saul told him, He assured us that the donkeys had been found. However, Saul did not tell him what Samuel had said about the matter of kingship. Samuel 
summoned the people to the Lord to the Lord at Mitzpah and said to the Israelites, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought Israel out of Egypt, and I rescued you from the power of the Egyptians and all the kingdoms that were oppressing you. But today you have rejected your God, who saves you from all your troubles and afflictions. You said to him, You must set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and clans. Samuel had all the tribes of Israel come forward, and the tribe of Benjamin was selected. He had the tribe of Benjamin come forward by its clans, and the Matrite clan was selected. Finally, Saul, son of Kish, was selected. And when they searched for him, they couldn't find him. And they again inquired of the Lord, Has the man come here yet? And the Lord replied, Yeah, there he is, hidden among the supplies. (laughs) They ran and got him from there. And when he stood among the people, he stood a head taller than anyone else. Samuel said to all the people, Do you see the one the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among the entire population. And all the people shouted, Long live the king! Now Samuel proclaimed to the people the rights of kingship. He wrote them on a scroll which he placed in the presence of the Lord, and then Samuel sent all the people home. Saul also went to his home at Gibeah, and brave men whose hearts God had touched went with him. But some wicked men said, How can this guy save us? They despised him and didn't bring him a gift. But Saul, Saul said nothing. Now Nahash the Ammonite came up and laid siege to Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to him, Make a treaty with us and we will serve you. Nahash the Ammonite replied, I'll make one with you on this condition, that I gouge out everyone's right eye and humiliate all Israel. Don't do anything to us for seven days, the elders of Jabesh said to him. And let us send messengers throughout the territory of Israel, and if no one saves us, we will surrender to you. And when the messengers came to Gibeah, Saul's hometown, and told the terms to the people, all wept aloud. Just then Saul was coming in from the field behind his oxen, said, What's the matter with the people? Why are they weeping? And Saul inquired, and and they repeated to him the words of the men of Jabesh. And when Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God suddenly came powerfully on him, and his anger burned furiously. He took a team of oxen, cut them in pieces, and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by messengers who said, This is what will be done to the ox of anyone who doesn't march behind Saul and Samuel. As a result, the terror of the Lord fell on the people, and they went out united. Saul counted them at Bezek, There were 300,000 Israelites and 30,000 men from Judah. And he told the messengers who had come, Tell this to the men of Jabesh Gilead. Deliverance will be yours by the time the sun is hot. So the messengers told the men of Jabesh, and they rejoiced. Then the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Tomorrow we will come out, and you can do whatever you want to us. And the next day Saul organized the troops into three divisions. During the morning watch they invaded the Ammonite camp and slaughtered them until the heat of day. And there were survivors, but they were so scattered that no two of them were left together. 
Afterward, the people said to Samuel, Who said that Saul should not reign over us? Give us to those men so we can kill them. But Saul ordered, No one will be executed this day, for today the Lord has provided deliverance in Israel. And then Samuel said to the people, Come on, let's go to Gilgal so we can renew the kingship there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there in the Lord's presence they made Saul king. And there they sacrificed fellowship offerings in the Lord's presence. And Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. And that gets us up, my friends, through chapter 11. So if we were just going to apply that quickly today, how does God help leaders that he chooses, oh, maybe like you, succeed? Well, he provides them with all the resources they need to thrive in in whatever role, right? Take the job is the message, because when God calls us, he equips us. Well, with that, I'm going to uh, wrap up today with a short little bit of wisdom segment from the book of Proverbs. We pick up in chapter 10 at verse 4. Idle hands make one poor, but diligent hands bring riches. The son who gathers during summer is prudent. The son who sleeps during harvest is disgraceful. Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The remembrance of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. A wise heart accepts commands, but foolish lips will be destroyed. And that gets us up through verse 8. My friend, take the job. I mean, respond to God's call, right? Because when he calls us, he equips us. And if there is a message for today, it's that his power is unleashed when we forget fear and trust that he is at work in a desperate situation. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.